Our reading this morning is from Matthew. So if you had your Bibles open in Hebrews, you can turn to Matthew. Um, So we're going to read from chapter 28. So it's the very last chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to read from verse 16 to verse 20. 20. There we go. Four verses, short and sweet. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. I want to introduce you to Andre, another Andre, um, a fellow South African, fellow brother. Most of you will know him as the man in black. I don't think I've seen him without anything... He's always in, in black in some form, so I'm glad you haven't disappointed me today, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> Andre's been a faithful member of the church for um, many years. He has been, uh, he's been serving, he served as an elder for four years uh, here at South Fellowship. He's now serving on the sound ministry. Normally you won't see him in the church, but he's up at the back behind the soundboard. So, uh, but today he's serving by sharing God's word with us, which we have are anticipating with great pleasure. So uh, I'd like Andre to come up. That's great. Um, and we just pray that we bless him this morning as he shares God's word for us and as we listen and we hear the voice of the Spirit in the message. Amen. Thanks, Andre. Yeah, as you know me, I'm usually behind the sound, but today I will be uh, making the noise. Hopefully it will be a joyous noise unto the Lord. I'd just like to take a few moments to pray first. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. Open our hearts, open our minds, so that we can hear what you have to say to us today. All this we ask in your most holy name. Amen. Okay, so... In the text we read, um, we, we step into a time just after Jesus was crucified, after he had uh, appeared to the, to, the, to the disciples, and he had told them to go to a place in Galilee where he would meet them, because uh, he had a very important task to give them uh, on this day. He was about to send them out into the world to proclaim the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. Now, why is this important? Or even relevant today? Right now, much of society is in a real mess. Uh, It's in a real shambles. People are ripping each other apart in all walks of lives. There are divisions along all kinds of lines, racial, ethnic, everything. We're ripping each other to sheds, to shreds. Things are being said today to each other that a couple of years ago would have been really unthinkable. 
stuff that you just wouldn't air in public. People are feeling quite comfortable to say to each other. And as with the apostles, Jesus is commanding us to take him, point to him, and show him to the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life, as we see in John 14, verse 6, that the world so desperately needs right now. In verse 18 of the text, Jesus proclaims his authority. The disciples understood this. They understood that he was the risen king. I mean, they were there when he was crucified. They saw him die. They saw him buried in a tomb. And yet, here he was standing in front of them. I know if I'd been there, I would have been elated. I would have been just, I mean, I'd just seen my Lord and Rabbi crucified in the most horrendous way. And yet, here he was standing in front of me. I mean, the gladness in their hearts. They must have felt such elation. And yet, he was saying to them, go, go show me to the world. They knew he was the risen Lord. I mean, they knew it in their bones and he was telling them to go and show him to the world. The Old Testament has many verses that point to Jesus' to Jesus as a sovereignty, his sovereign will. Uh, Psalms 2, verse 6, Psalms 110, Isaiah 9, many more point to the fact that Jesus is sovereign. Uh, let's read about it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah is one of the prophets, if you want to go there. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Today, Jesus is still the risen king. He is still sovereign over everything. Uh, and just to a point on the word sovereign, I know it's an old word for me. I had to go look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> and if you see it in the dictionary, you see words like supreme, unmitigated, paramount, absolute. The Merriam-Webster dictionary says this, Sovereign has everything to do with power. It often describes a person who has supreme power or authority. To have sovereign power is to have absolute power. Power that cannot be checked by anyone or anything. And nothing has changed. Jesus is still sovereign. The command to make, Jesus, to make disciples of all nations is still with us. We are still under that command to show Jesus to the world. This command will stand until the end of time when he returns to perfect this broken world. The authority of Jesus is sovereign. So any command he gives us, we really need to take seriously. <laughs> Little story. Many years ago, I was in the South African Defense Force. Um, I was a pongo. Uh, for many of you, are fortunate not to know what that means. Pongo is a term given to the, American, to the British, um, British, British soldiers by the Navy. <laughs> it says the observation is where they go, the Pong, 
or stink goes. <laughs> Navy guys obviously had better showers than we did. But anyway, in the army I understood very well the chain of command. If someone of a higher rank gave me a command, I would have to listen. You know, commands like, see that tree in the distance? Distance being relative to how far you could see. Bring me the leaf on the top, third branch from the right. And you'd have to do it. But contrary to the power of, or to the attitude of power-hungry corporals in the army, Jesus does not give us frivolous commands. We follow Jesus, and we follow his sovereign lawful commands. We don't follow anyone else. I read a quote by Charles Spurgeon that really illustrated this for me. And I'll read it. Power in the hands of some people is dangerous, but power in the hands of Christ is blessed. Oh, let him have all power. Let him do what he will with it, for he cannot will anything but that which is right and just and true and good. The authority of Jesus is still sovereign. It's still perfect, thus we need to follow his commands. And what does Jesus in this text command us to do? We see him command his disciples to go and make disciples of all the apostles, to make disciples of all nations. He's telling them to go and show him and his perfected, completed work to the world. They know he was saying to go physically and proclaim the good news or the gospel of Christ to those who have not heard it. They were, go, they were to go with whatever needs necessary, by foot, by land, by ship. And they would be facing hardships upon hardship, hardships, even unto death. Fox's book, according to Fox's Book of Martyrs, all of those guys that heard that command died a horrible, violent death. And the only one who didn't, James, <laughs> he was thrown into a vat of boiling water, a boiling oil, sorry, um, of which he miraculously escaped. I think that's why he called himself the beloved apostle in a lot of his writings. But anyway, yet they followed that command joyfully, gladly even. So today, we don't really need to go physically anymore. We don't need to go get on ships and boats and trains and planes. Uh, although many people still do. We can spread the gospel in our own spheres of influence, right where we are, where we go to work, where we live. We have many ways to show Jesus to the world in our interactions with social media or in our interactions in, with people in real life. I mean, the generation currently calls that IRL in real life. <laughs> we have so many tools available to us to show Jesus to the world. I mean, I myself, I use Facebook, I use Twitter, I use Instagram uh, to post things about Jesus, to show people who he is and what he has done for us. I even have a YouTube channel where I post short sermons every week just to show Jesus to the world that so desperately needs it. My YouTube channel is quite interesting, I suppose. Uh, I use two of my passions, my love for Christ and my motorcycle. So I ride around talking about God to whoever wants to ask and whoever wants to speak about it, find out. So we can live our lives. We can live and do what we find, what our passions are. But in that same thing, we can just 
show Jesus to the world. Show, him what they, what, show them what he has done for us. And we should always stand ready to answer for the hope that is us, in us. Uh, as, as Peter says to us in First uh, Peter 3 verse 15, if you want to read with me, um, I'm only going to quote a portion of the verse. And it says, the part that I'm going to read anyway, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. What is that defense? Where is our hope found? Jesus, that's where our hope is found. It's not in anything else. He, he is our hope. However, <laughs> obeying the commands of Jesus in this text is not an easy thing. It's not something that we can or indeed need to do under our own power. I mean, how do you love your enemies? As a soldier, that, that is not something that I can do under my own, my own power. To love my enemies, I was trained to kill them. So to love them is not in me. But if Jesus is in me, it is very possible. I mean, how do we make disciples? How do we have the discipline to continually do that, to live a life that affects other people and makes disciples of them? How do we teach them to observe all the commands that he has given us? I mean, there are a lot of commands in the Bible. How do we do this? The plain answer is we don't. Jesus does. We can do nothing without the power of our Savior. In Mark chapter 10, verse 27, we read, and if you read with me, Mark is one of the Gospels in the beginning of the New Testament. Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. However, we can be the feet that carries that message wherever we go. Oh, and it says it in the Bible, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We can read about beautiful feet in Romans 10 verse 15, which is the sixth book of the New Testament, if you want to read with and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Or in Isaiah 52 verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Also read this in Nahum 1 verse 15 and in Ephesians 6. In verse 20, Jesus promises to always be there to help and guide them. The apostles understood that the Holy Spirit would be with them as they, as they carried the gospel to the world, as they showed Jesus to the world. That same Spirit the one that raised him from the dead, the one that guided them to all these horrible, through all these horrible appearances. 
deaths they were going to face, the same spirit that guided them to carry and spoke for them and, and, and helped them carry the, the message of Christ to the world. That same spirit still guides us today. He still strengthens us. He still gives us peace. I mean, right this morning when we were singing, I was getting real nervous about being up here and standing in front of people that I know and love. And I was praying, and what happened? The Spirit just gave me peace and comforted me, saying, you just say the words, I'll carry the message along. That Spirit is still with us in all of our trials and tribulations. But what does this mean? What does all of this mean? I mean, it's a wonderful thing to talk about the Great Commission. Such a lofty goal. I mean, it's such a powerful command. But why give us this command? Is this for our glory? Not in the least. Glory belongs to Jesus. We are just to show him to the world. Lift him up as our Messiah. The authority of Jesus is sovereign. So any command he gives us, we need to take seriously. If we follow Jesus, we have to follow his commands. None other. We don't follow the world. We follow Jesus. And he is the message. The, the apostles understood that his authority was sovereign and that he was commanding them to go and carry the gospel to the world. They also knew that he would help them and guide them through his Holy Spirit. So we need to do the same. We need to show Jesus to the world. We need to reflect his work in us in all that we do as he has commanded us. I remember a few people throughout my life that have had a very big impact on me. And none of them were theologians or evangelists or wonderful speakers. They were just ordinary people that were living their life as Christ wanted them to live. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Sorry, please. Evangelists and theologians are very important to us. But they're not the only people that make an impact on the, law, on the world. They're not the only people that um, carry the kingdom, that do kingdom work. And one of, like I said, one of the ways I show Jesus to the world is by combining two of my passions, Jesus and motorcycles. I go into a world where a lot of people have not heard the message. I go into a world where people are anti that message. They don't want to hear it. But I also know that deep down they know they need to hear it. And if I don't go there, no one's going to get there. No one's going to hear that message. But I also know when I go there, it's not me. It's not my words. It's not my laugh. It's not my jokes that convinces them of anything. It's the Holy Spirit. I know that when I walk into a place, the Holy Spirit walks in with me, protects me. But more than that, He softens their hearts. He carries whatever message we are, we've got. He carries to people's hearts and He opens their minds and says, this is our Savior. You too can have this hope. You too can live a life of abundance. And save souls. <laughs> you know, the, the president of my motorcycle club, before they, before they made me a prospective member, took me into a graveyard. 
<laughs> I thought, oh, what are you doing, dude? He's like, I don't need to go and see graves. And he said to me, walk around these graves, look at these names, and think about how many of them knew the Lord before they died. That's our job. We need to stand in the breach and snatch people from the gates of hell. That's what we need to do. So in conclusion, what does all this mean? We are commanded to make disciples of all nations. Why? Why is Jesus commanding us to do this? Why doesn't he just do it himself? He is the Almighty. He can do it with ease. Is it to bring his salvation to the world? Yeah, definitely. But that, I don't think, is all of it. That's not the whole thing. That's not all of it. If it was just for salvation, I know I myself would say, okay, I'm saved. I'm going to sit back and relax and enjoy this because I'm saved. I know where I'm going. Not all people are like it. Is it to change the world? Definitely. It is definitely one of the things. Changing the world, the world could really need that. The world needs change. The world needs to be more like what God intended it to be, what he created it to be. But that's not all. Is it, is it for his glory? Yes, it is. It is all these things. But there is yet another reason to show Jesus to the world. All the aforementioned things can be accomplished by showing him to the world what he has done for us. I mean, he came down from heaven, a perfect being, took up the body of a fallen human being. as a baby in a manger. He came down. And through his work on the cross, he saved us. He cleansed us of all those sins that we had. He has justified us. What he is commanding us to do, and what he is preparing us for ultimately, is to bring us back to the Father, back to a right relationship with God, as it was in Eden before the fall, when man walked in perfect harmony, without fear, in the presence of the most holy God. That's what he's bringing us back to. That's why he's commanding us to go to the world and say, make disciples, bring my people back to me. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. Lead us into a new world. Lead us into a relationship with you that is good and perfect. Uh, let us pray. O oh Lord our God, from whom all things flow, hallowed be thy name. Help us and guide us as we go out into the world to do your bidding. Forgive us our sins and teach us to love our neighbors as, the, as ourselves, to love our enemies and to make disciples of all nations. Help us to show you to the world that so desperately needs you. Turn our eyes upon you, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We love you, Lord. We worship you. And we are willing to follow you, our Lord, our risen King, in Jesus' name. Amen.